podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Look, after every week when we do our picks, folks start tweeting into us, I'm going to use your picks. Where should I use about it? What I tell them is you have to go to my bookie. Are these picks going to be right? Probably not. But if you think you got a winner, my bookie is the way to be. You need to check them out. We tell everyone who you're betting on is just as important as where you're betting at. That's why everyone needs to go to my bookie. They're the best in the biz. They have all the best player perks. You win, they pay out. And it's fantasy football season, and you can even go for over-unders on how many fantasy points a player is going to score. Remember, if you go there, they'll match your deposit up to $1,000 if you use our code BOYS. Remember, that is all caps BOYS for your 100% match for up to 1000 bucks. Check out MyBookie today. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. Well, we're back. And Studio McFarland. Um, Brought to you by my bookie. In your parents' basement. <laughs> by the way, if you are going to use my bookie, don't use my picks because I don't know what I'm doing. I've been terrible so far this year, but post Mississippi State, let's start her off. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Um, you let's, say- hey, let's rock and roll with uh, a beer of the pod and brought to you by me today. Ooh, uh, I'm Something surprised. that. People haven't seen for for years. Children have been born not even knowing what it is. What is it? Um, it's a buffalo. Sweat. Oh, a buffalo sweat. <laughs> oh God. Um, limited yeah, edition. Limited nowadays. edition nowadays. Uh, thank you for that. Let me crack that open. Uh, I tell you what. Um, even even if tall grass goes away, um, I'm really hoping the tap house, their restaurant, stays going because. From all the articles I read, they're going to keep their stuff going. And uh, Buffalo Sweat, while I think is the only beer worth saving, that might be the only place you can get in the future. And trust me, if that's the only place, that's where I'm going to go. I haven't had a Buffalo Sweat for a long time. That was delicious. Man, it's so good. It's one of my, if not my favorite beer, it's by far my favorite stout. So damn good. It's the beer that really got me to go. I mean, you know. I had the Buffalo, or not the Buffalo Wheats, I had the Boulevard Wheats, the Blue Moons, the stuff that got you off domestic lights, but this is what really got me into craft beer. Uh, it's It really is a great stout, and I hope, no matter what happens at Tallgrass, I hope this beer lives on in some capacity. Me too. Um, sorry to kill your vibe, but let's talk about the game. Whew, woof. Um, so... You know, last week we we talked about almost every scoring play. I think we spent a little bit too much of it. Most of the stuff we'll talk on when we start breaking down position by position. But, you know, we'll just do high level. You know, early on, tell me how you're feeling. We traded field goals back and forth. It was 3-3 three to three at one point. How was I feeling early? Yes. I, I mean, was feeling pretty good I was until... Go ahead. The, well, I mean, we traded field goals early. We held them early. Yeah, all right, so let, let's talk real quick. So we trade field goals on the possession, Skyler's driving us down. Um, I'm feeling real good at this point. Then the fumble, non-fumble happens. I When I saw the replay, I think it's an obvious pass, um, so that makes sense. And Live, then, I thought it was a fumble. I was like, damn, here we go again. But 
Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I think they got it right. It got overturned. I think they got it right. Then the very next play, uh, and we can talk about this when we talk about the offensive line, but you know, it's it's third down. Here comes a blitz off the right side. We don't even have a shot to convert to punch it in. Mm-mm. That's when I first just kind of got. I was like, oh damn, we just missed an opportunity. I know, and I was I was so hoping that we could get an early punch. If we could have taken the lead early, I mean, that place the place was loud, and it would have been on another level if we were up 10-3, and I mean, it was a missed opportunity. For Here's sure. another missed opportunity when you're talking about atmosphere, and I think the this honestly turned the game. It did. I, it, I, don't, I can't remember if it was the next possession or what when it was, but the third and 17 play. It was Mississippi. late in the first quarter, yeah, I want to say. It might have been the next drive because, I mean, fact of the matter, the way we play, the way Mississippi State plays, the game went relatively quick for a modern-age college football game, but – it's third and 17. You know, they had just gotten, I think, a holding penalty or some penalty that pushed them back, and I'm feeling good about our defense. I'm like, holy crap, you know, they were in field goal range now. This would be a long field goal. You know, just stop them short here, keep them to three. It's a five-yard crossing pattern. I think we were playing zone. He just gets the ball running, turns the corner, picks up 20 yards, and then, you know, a couple plays later, they punch it in the end zone. Then I think at that point, the atmosphere was just sucked out of the stadium. It might be silly to say – Concerning the score line at the time and the time of the game, it was in the first quarter. But I think that was the biggest play of the game. I mean, no, it one hundred percent was. I mean, it, if if you get a stop there, say they miss a field goal, we have it in good range. Skyler had just marched us down the field. Alex Barnes had just marched us down the field. We're feeling good. We can easily, you know, maybe get more points and take the lead. I mean, yeah, but, the game is all about momentum, particularly to you know college kids and I mean what do you do on that on that possession you know I'm not a coach I I'm not a coach but my take is you got to bring a lot of pressure there I mean how many times in history have we been burned like that where it's third and long we need to stop we drop eight guys back and only bring three and then they and we give up the yardage it happens again and again I've seen it so many times in K-State and they not, score on the drive, kills our momentum. Not only that, but like the zone cut, it was such a weak zone. You give them all that room to run around, and then sure enough, their speed versus our speed. Once you turn a corner, it, it's just a matter of you know are they going to step out of bounds or not. I mean, I think, it, I think you have to bring pressure there. I mean, you force Fitzger- Fitz- force Fitzgerald to beat you on the pass at that time of the game. He was one for six. He was way off the mark. We bought. We just brought three, and he had time. You can't just give a, a guy little, time. A little dump out, and uh, it. Granted, we should have done better on containing the receiver, but I think. I mean, that, that's where you're. That's where you can get hurt in a zone, though. You know, the underneath route where you're just streaking through other people's zones. No one's picking them up. No one's getting contact on. And then if you can hit them in space. I mean, it's he has the world to run in, so it, that's bad. You know, a couple of plays later they score a touchdown. Now it's ten to three. I'm not feeling good. A couple of drives later, you know, Alex Dalton comes out. I'm grouping his two series together, and this was just straight up depressing. Uh, he is driving down the field. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, this is this is going pretty good. But then, of course, was this the first time he set back to pass? No, I think it might have been the second. I don't. I don't even know. But he I think dr- it. I want to say it was his first pass. I think it was. I really think it was. I can't remember. It might have been first a second. second. But it was one of his, his very few passes. I don't even know where the guy's looking. I and it, it pains me to say this because, by all accounts, Alex Dalton is a great kid. He was voted captain by his teammates. 
The guy has regressed as a thrower. I don't know how anyone can look at the first two games and not think that he has regressed as a thrower, which flies in the face of everything we were told. Everyone said, oh, he's an improved thrower. Improved. No, that I, where I don't even know where he was looking on that. I think we should just – so we don't really have any other big plays to touch on other than Skyler's touchdown pass and – yeah, touchdown everything pass. else was Mississippi State, so we can just I, skip well, that and move on. Let's just move on well, to the quarterbacks. Me, I, well, yeah, and since we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, the other thing about Alex that just completely frustrated me, and I can't tell if it was more the play call or how he went, but he took that sack towards the end of the second half where we can yes. hit a field goal, keep it within a possession going into half, but then it moves back. We're right at the end of Blake Lynch's range, which you know I think caps out right around 50, and he just he's just a little short. Yeah, so let's talk. I mean, Delton Dilemma here, I think it's time to just solidify him as the backup quarterback. If he's not already, I think he is, but he I think is. it's time to solidify that. He's the backup and nothing more. He's cost us serious possessions, back-to-back weeks, back-to-back times in this game, threw that pick on a truly puzzling pass to, I think he was looking for Reuter, but he had no shot at getting in there. I mean, not only was Reuter covered, but he had a linebacker just standing in the passing lane. I mean, the pass to zero chance that led to that quick strike from Mississippi State. Um, and then the bad sack, you know, got us out of Lynch's reign. And it's like, I just don't see, what is the point of giving Skyler the entire half and then shoehorning in Delton in for two minutes? There's there's no, there is no point to Against it. Against an elite run defense where we're not running on them. Yeah. Which it doesn't make sense. Th- there, there's, no, there's no use to it. And I have said for a while now that he, he can have a package. But it's a package of like say, all right, three or four plays at a time. Don't give them the entire drive. I, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, putting him in for the two minutes, putting in a quarterback just in general that's far more one dimensional doesn't seem like the answer when your first guy is not working. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it, it, you can never go from a guy who, yeah, yes, is Skyler going to get a ninety yard run? Probably not. But he's shown that he's more than capable. He's with capable this enough a runner. Yes. I mean, so what? What goes through the coaching staff's mind that says, "Hey, you know what's going to get this offense going? Being completely one dimensional." <laughs> yeah, I I don't get it, and I think we should touch on Skyler a bit. Um, you know, here's something we need to remember about Skyler Thompson. He's played what six games total. Um, yeah. With two of those being playing a half or less, um, the tech and he's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. He's he's never truly been allowed to get into his rhythm. I mean, he played. I I really think this is only the sixth game he's ever started. You know, you didn't let him get into rhythm. It's in not. UCLA. I, I, think, I, don't even, I think it's like the fourth game he started. Well, he started UCLA. The, I, I forgot about UCLA uh, and then TCU, Iowa State, uh, the opener five. Uh, he started Oklahoma DC State. last year. Yeah, I don't remember that. Oh, no, no, no. He started West Virginia. He started West Virginia. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so he started six. Um, but in every, and you see it on the message boards. You see it on Twitter. Them trying to belittle his complete, completion percentage. The guy has barely started. He's getting no time. And yes, the, the, could he have played better? One hundred percent. But the fact that we don't just publicly say this is Skyler's team and just let him ride and die. I, it's, it's hurting the team not only this year but in the future too. Yes, exactly. I mean, we he's a sophomore. He's barely played. He's young. He lacks experience, and we need to get him that experience. We need to just be like, this is your team. And not this just is your team the for field. the future too. Not, not just on the field. He needs all the one reps and practice he can get. 
And I think that is what really hurt him coming into the season through all fall camp. If we are to believe everything Bill Snyder said, up until this point, even coming into this week, the quarterbacks split practice time, which is probably just as damaging than splitting the game time as well. Doesn't make much sense. And you know Bill had the quote after the game saying, don't take into account how much or how little Delton played. There's still two quarterbacks. If that's I think true, he's just blowing smoke. I mean, I really do. But, you know, what? I don't know for sure, obviously. But the way it, you know, at least the way the snaps were given yesterday, I mean, he gave Skyler Sny- that game. I don't really understand the, you know, shoehorning in for two minutes. But it's, I mean, Skyler's getting the bulk of it at least. Yeah, I, I just hope that that's what's going on in practice because <laughs> – you can see it in the flashes with Scott. That pass, the the touchdown pass was perfect. He made some great throws in the game. There were some drops. He made some bad reads. Uh, His progressions but, are a little. They need some work. I, it, he he likes to lock in on certain people and like particularly one play yesterday. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, where he missed Zuber across the middle on that crucial third down. And it's like he was just locked in on Harris, which is strange to me because it's like. You think if he's going to yeah, lock in gonna, on anyone, it's going to be Isaiah, or yeah, it's going to be Zuber, Zuber, not Harris. But oh god, that kill! Uh, you got to see that. But you know, again, he's lacks experience. He's got to play more. He's got to. We just got to give him the keys to the yeah, keys to the car. It doesn't make sense. Give him the keys to the car to and just let him rock and roll. Um, At the very least, when we're comparing these two, it's like Skyler gives us a better chance to win. Oh yeah, end I, of story. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And here's the thing: uh, even when the game was going bad last week because of Skyler's history, I still part of me was like, I can't leave quite yet. You know, uh, he can. He's a special kid. He can make this comeback. Grant, he didn't. Uh, but he's he just has that factor. He has that winning factor that you know. I think if we truly buy into him, I think we're going to see the benefits for years to come. But uh, let's move on to this because there's so much crossover here to talk about the offensive line because they didn't give Skyler any time when Delton was out there. He didn't, they didn't give him any time. And while they did a little bit better in the run blocking, it wasn't consistent enough to really do much for Barnes either. So what's going on with the offensive line? Can we officially kind of put the stamp on it and say that this group was grossly overrated this off season? Probably. Um, you know, it is only game two and <laughs> We had a quick turnaround. I will say that their D-line was elite, but, you know, I would have liked to see more. I mean, my first impression of the game was that um, through the first quarter even that both our lines were grossly outmatched, and it was just a matter of time before that took a toll on the game. So, <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I am so frustrated with the offensive line. I think not only were they outmanned, I do think that they – just had some massive breakdowns in protection. There were multiple times where blitzers were coming and you saw a tackle and guard double teaming. Like So the thing that sticks out to me is on that play where Skyler took the sack after the fumble got overturned, Reisner was blocking down on the defensive end and just let the blitzer come right past him and yeah. just lay Skyler out. That's not, that's not even stuff about when it comes to town because back in the matter, Mississippi State's defensive line Heads and shoulders better than anyone we'll see in Big 12 play. And when we start playing some of the weaker defensive lines, I do hope to see them improve. But here you are in the biggest test of the year, and it's not only are you getting blown up three yards in the backfield almost every play, you're missing assignments. And that is 
probably the most frustrating thing for me. Yeah, um, it's frustrating. There's lots and lots of talk I, I, coming I, into this year. Yeah, and, it's and just... th- that, that's that's the thing because you don't see this from K State football teams very often. You see Dalton Reisner get out at media days, Big Twelve media day, K State media day, radio availability. Even post game last week, get out there and he talks and he talks very well. He's a well spoken guy and he's saying all these right things, talking about how he wants this group to be elite, how any sack is bad. He 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 says all this stuff and you buy into the hype and you buy into the NFL first round grades, all this stuff, and then that's what you get. That just that's I just leaves such a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, if there's if anything, I've learned not to buy into the bullshit like coming into the season because if. If I didn't learn from from last year, you know, the hype going into last year, then I've certainly learned my lesson this year. I will have tempered expectations until I see it proven on the field from from future or in future seasons to come. That's for sure. Yep. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I before we move on away from the offensive line, it, let's just not throw it all on Reiser. You know, France had. I mean, a everyone. Bad game. Everyone, everyone got destroyed and, yesterday. And basically. the tackles are the strength, but the. Interior of the offensive line, I think something needs to change. I, I don't know if it needs to be Josh Rivas needs to start. Maybe it's, you know, bring Riser into play center, bring because I know they like some of the backup tackles as well. Something needs to change because on the interior, they were getting just demolished as well. I think something needs to change. Otherwise, this narrative around Charlie Dickey being this elite offensive line coach, I think needs to, you know, drop him down a peg because first two games have been embarrassing. Yeah, we let's move on to the running backs and receivers. You know, I thought Barnes ran harder than I'd seen him run for a while. No, he he ran he played hard. pretty well. Anytime there was a hole, he put his head down. He was running over some dudes. Um, that's why I like to see. Uh, in fact, the matter is though, too many times he was getting hit in the backfield. Uh, I know. I mean, what can you do? It's you just, can't do anything. Uh, I I just and it's just frustrating because you you came into this, you're thinking, all right, you know. Barnes is going to have this crazy year because it's behind this great offensive line. Uh, but, you know, when you only get five holes a game, there's only so much you can do with it. Um, I think now I'm starting to really understand why Dana Demmel called so many quarterback powers last year because you get the those two blockers. Yeah, you, you get two extra blockers. You get the fullback and the running back because that's what it's, it was basically – having to take um, because you're going to have to have one of them pick up a guy who breaks through the line and then you pick up another guy who's a linebacker and then the quarterback falls forward for six or seven yards um i i hate to say it but i mean that's making a lot more sense to me now yeah uh, i'm a bit tired of being wedded to like the the shotgun run game let's just get let's get under center and put a couple two tight ends in there and a fullback and let's just power run if we're gonna run, screw it. Yeah, it, like being fourth and like what was it yesterday? Oh, yeah, fourth and fourth one, and one we're in the shotgun and, with one running back. Grand, we picked it up, but that what on earth. Yeah, I I don't understand that because that, that scares me. Anytime, What's happened to us? It, we used to we'd be yeah, automatic sneak. Yeah, and, and that scares me because anytime, especially the way that game was going, you're doing a shotgun, you're throwing the ball three yards back in the backfield. All it takes is two defensive linemen to whip the offensive lineman and it's done i agree with you especially on fourth down just sneak it and go from there um running back wise outside of just barnes here i am i'm gonna get on the soapbox again get warmack the ball more that we had that swing pass out to him and 
It was wildly successful. You know, that's what you need to do. You need to call plays to get Skyler in the rhythm of the game. You set and we ran it to Barnes as well. These little quick little slip screens where you have blockers, you have numbers. It's an easy pass. Why aren't we doing that three or four times in the first drive? Let him start getting into a rhythm. Make it Mississippi State start looking for other stuff because it worked each time. The quick out to Warmack worked. The quick little uh, screen to uh, Barnes went for five. I, I, I just I I'm flabbergasted why every time Warmack gets the ball. It's nine to ten yards, and then he gets it twice. Yeah, I said this before the game, but yesterday, yesterday was a perfect opportunity to get Warmax and balls out of the backfield, at least like screen wise. They were bringing so much pressure; like it well, seemed like every third play they were blitzing the shit out of us. It doesn't even need to be a screen; just let him do that quick little, you know, three yard out, hit him in stride, and then let him turn. I mean, up yeah, I agree. I just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I think at least. I knew that we were going to be seeing all sorts of. They blitzed. What do they blitz like sixty percent of the time? Yeah, they're always. Bringing what do you extra- need to see, like, as a coach, to understand that? Let's prepare our game plan for, under for. We're going to be receiving tons of pressure, and and, and, not, and it comes back to the play calling. Because even when we were passing the ball, they they're these long, exactly. slow developing it makes routes. zero sense. You you had to be doing quick slants. You had to be doing everything quick. And we weren't, and that, and that. Let's let's just kind of transition to the wide receivers, and now also the Andre Coleman hype. Um, yes, a couple times Zuber got open and we missed him, but that wasn't like that was happening all week. Yeah, they. they uh, and he was the only one. Uh, Ruder and Schoen almost never got open. Sebastian Taylor non-existent. The best receiver was Dalvin Warmack out of the backfield. Uh, what is going on with Andre? I, I think I said this on Twitter. Um, did we just, you know, we were so angry with Dana Dimmel. Did we just, you know, were we going to hype up anyone? Like, what what is going on with Andre? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, our, they definitely struggled yesterday to get any real real separation. We, got, we had a couple of plays where they, you know, we had some guys open on some comeback routes, but... <sighs> Downfield, we have absolutely no threat. And, you know, it is game two. I'm willing to give Andre some time. Um, he's assuming a lot more responsibility. But, yeah, I think probably the the hatred for Damon, Dana Dimmel probably kind of spilled over a little bit for uh, the Andre hype. And, you know, Andre was saying all the right things, but that doesn't mean much if you're not – if you can't really produce in the booth, but well, and also he talks about all this stuff, new rims, all that crap. And we had like, I see nothing pocket. different. Really? No, the only thing different is we rarely take it all the way down on the play clock, which, yeah. Okay. That's fun. But I mean, we only had like two or three delay of game penalties last year. And we already had one this year. So who cares if you're snapping the ball five seconds faster, if the plays look exactly the same. And again, he, he said all the right things about, you know, changing some stuff up, getting the ball in the hands. But the one play each game, finding it to Dalvin Warmack, like what's even going on there? And then we even tried that stupid little double reverse pass thing, and then no one got open. I think if it, we would have just had that a reverse to Zuber, it might have worked. Run. Yes. Just he had one guy to beat. And here's and this is this is the thing that frustrates me. We do have three guys who seemingly on offense have truly 
you know, power five elite level speed in Warmack, uh, Harris and Zuber, why aren't we doing more to just doing the reverse, doing the jet sweep, doing that type of stuff to get them in space and try to get some buys in front of them and let them make plays. We haven't, we haven't done anything like that once in the first two games with completely stagnant offense. And Skyler t- said it best in his p- post-game media availability. He said it was soft, pathetic, and he's right. It, it, it's frustrating. The other thing that's frustrating, Corey Sutton, who God. Bill just le- who who Bill basically tried to run off the team and then tried to block block his transfer. Everyone remembers that saga. That was a horrible look for Bill. He had a 90-yard touchdown yesterday. Yeah, he's good. And you know, uh, and we knew he was good when he was here. Yes, we knew he was good, but here's the thing when it comes to wide receivers because I I said, you know, we we dropped the ball recruiting that position. Well, I don't actually think we dropped the ball as much as we didn't retain guys because Byron Pringle going pro, he's collecting, you know, half a million dollars on the IR this year. That's fine. I, I'm never going to get mad at someone for doing that. But then you have Dom, uh, Dominique Heath grad transferring out of the program. You have Corey Sutton leaving in shame because of the stuff that went on with Bill. You couldn't make stuff work with Carlos Strickland. And now you're looking at a wide receiving core that legitimately doesn't belong in Power 5 and maybe not even in FBS. No. I mean... And I can't speak for why a player would really transfer, like on Sutton, but you've got to be doing a better job. I mean, that's alarming. We've lost, you know, Heath. We've lost guys to transfers in the past, and it's like, how are we not retaining these guys when these are holes? These are leaving gaping, holes. gaping holes in our team. So, I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It'd be really nice to have Heath right now, an, an experienced senior. <sighs> I don't know. It's frustrating. But shall we talk about the defense? Yeah, starting start with the defensive line. Defensive um, line, which honestly might have had the worst game of anyone. The D line pretty much got handled, particularly the defensive tackle position. They spread those guys out with ease they, and they, created so many big goals. The defensive holes. line was getting reached every play. They were going everywhere that Mississippi State wanted them to. There, there were there was maybe like five plays all game where they got penetration. It yeah. was. It was rough. I mean, it, and I, and I don't know. I don't think that there's anything that, to be honest with you, that they could have done. I think, at the end of the day, we were just grossly outmatched athletically and just as football players down there. And it it comes back to something that friend of the pod, Travis Tanhill, tweeted. I don't know if you saw this yeah, last saw night, but you know NFL scouts were there. And they said that they were scouting 14 different Mississippi State seniors, just seniors, 14 of them. And there were two, two. K-State seniors <laughs> that they were looking at. I wonder who and, those seniors were. Reisner and, Reiser and Shelley. Yeah, probably Shelley. But it, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. They it's just, just outmanned. They, and I don't, know, I don't know what's going on because if you look back at Bill Snyder 1.0, and the just the strength and conditioning portion of it, our guys don't look like Division One football players. What what happened yeah, to the strength so program? What happened? Because everyone wants to talk about oh, football is just evolving. Football is getting different. You want different football players. First off, definitely not the defensive line. And second off, did you see what Mississippi State looked like on every play? If you just lined up the players facing each other, you would you wouldn't think that they're playing basically at the same level of football. No. It, it feels like that every 
almost every time an opposing team comes in now. It's like, wow, this team is huge. I don't know, man. But, yeah, defensive line was just horrible. Linebackers, I thought, played they actually, okay. They actually did play okay, um, I will say. Only so much they can do when there's well, these glaring holes that they have to fill. But, but but this goes back to something we said last week. And, again, sure, he's a great guy. But Sam Sizelove just does not have the athletic capabilities to play versus a team like Mississippi State. No, he doesn't. But Sullivan, I think I think Sullivan and Patton have proved yes, that it, they're good Big 12-level linebackers. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about those two. It should be those two. Um, granted, Sullivan had to come out twice. I, I think, think it is. Sure. I mean, it is, I think. I mean, Sullivan's battling, obviously, some sort of injury. I don't know if if it was the if it, it was his shoulder to me it was right in front of me it looked like he was holding his wrist but oh, I, a lot well, of people are saying it, shoulder it which might is, have been wrist I I, I I read shoulder um all last right, night right right but, but I don't know if that's what was bothering him coming into the season no, coming into the I season, heard it was, it was a knee. knee it was a knee okay so that's so, probably new I'm hoping it was just like a stinger that he picked up yesterday and it's not going to be something that's going to be nagging him all year cause because he's an I mean we can't and, afford to not play him he, no him and Patton are legit big boy athletes. And uh, if, Patton's good. I yeah, like him. he is very good. He flies around. He can play pass coverage. It's just, it, it's just frustrating that all game they had linemen on him. I mean, yeah. they made some big plays, and Sullivan got to the. He was the only guy who could get to the quarterback. So uh, we'll move on from there. Uh, we'll talk about defensive backs. I actually think the outside corners did all right. They were fine. They, they weren't tested at all. They, That's they what tested annoys deep. the shit out of me. They, they, there was a couple of them that missed some tackles. That's frustrating. Um, safeties took some missed tackles. There was one time it was Lots on. Lots of missed tackles. Well, and, and then here, here's the one thing we'll, I'll say about the safeties. Eli Walker was in, and he was cheating up on a plane. You could, I could tell it was right in front of where I was in Section 23. It was on one of their touchdown passes. He was confused. He didn't know his uh, assignment. And then that was when that running back leaked down. They just tossed it out, and it was a touchdown. But, you know, that stuff's going to happen. But uh, for the most part in pass defense, much improved from last week. They didn't give up any big, deep balls. They, uh, you know, it was the underneath stuff that kind of got to us and uh, just some bad angles. But, you know, I think that can be fixed. Overall, I think the secondary at the end of the day, them or the linebackers probably ended up having the best game, maybe the running backs. Yeah, talking about secondary, I mean, you know, they played fine. They weren't really tested much because we surrendered the run game basically the entire t- entire time. Yards. They didn't have to pass. So like three hundred. What? How many? We gave up like three hundred thirty rushing yards. Yeah, I think something like that. Something like that. Woof. All right, let's get into the special teams real quick. Um, kicking, Kick- kickoff coverage. You know, Blake Lynch. You know. 50 yards is about his max. He couldn't quite get there, but his first field goal was good. Um, his kickoffs, you know, shorter, but I think that was by design because I think every time except for one, we pinned him inside the 25. Yeah. Kicking, uh, you know, we got a good kicker. That's good. I mean, at least from the sample size, uh, first two games. Um, frustrating that he, he got pulled out of his range because that was an uh, accurate kick. That yeah. was, He would have made it, that if he was, five, it yards, if it was five, yards. five yards shorter. Yep. But um, uh, kickoff coverage, yeah. I w- it was a little sketchy, but really only only that one play. Return game. There's a couple of times we were close to breaking one. Had a chance. Zuber missed a block. Uh, didn't oh, yeah. hold his block, and I mean Duke would have taken that. Would have housed and one then, of them. But their kicker got us one time. Um, but return game, it is what it is. Blake Lynch made a tackle. Yeah, Blake Lynch. He saved a touchdown. He is so small. I, I love Blake Lynch. <laughs> 
Um, punting better. Punting, yeah. Uh, Bernardo Good. Rodriguez, he actually ended up coming in kicking, uh, I think, three or four punts. He got two inside the ten. Um, great game by him. We'll move on quickly to the keys to V. Um, we had actually had five because Brogan put one in there. Grant, your first one was the offensive line has to be better. What are you going to give a grade for that? F. I'm going to give it a, a D. Uh, you know, I think Mississippi. Granted, State, we're playing tougher competition, yes, but a it, great, it, I didn't see any the, any improvement. The they reason, didn't give us any real semblance to. The f- reason why I did D instead of F is because there were a couple times where we got some holes open and Barnes was able to rush through there. Not great. My my second one was don't let Fitzgerald uh, get comfortable. I'm giving that a D as well. I mean, we got one good hit on him, and it wasn't early in the game. He looked comfortable running the ball. He was fine in the pocket. He sucks as a passer, by the way. Yes. Uh, which, I, you know, hindsight, I'd almost just say nine in the box and just make him throw. Yes, but, that is something that was driving me absolutely insane. I'm giving, I'm giving it a D as well. I don't think he was comfortable at all in the passing game, but we never really, I mean, we never really had a chance here. All they did was different variations of basically the read option or plays for Kylan Hill, and we let them get comfortable in the run game. That's all they needed. You know, I wish we would have loaded the box, sold out for the run, and forced Fitzgerald to beat us with the pass. I mean, don't you think, like, a Big 12 secondary should be able to bear the weight? If we're going to say, guys, well, here's the, here's the against thing. a bad they, passing team? And, and I think they did. Again, every time that they got a big passing game, he didn't have to make a big throw. It was a five-yard pass that something broke down and they were able to just run it in um that wouldn't have changed if we were selling out exactly run. i think um, it would have been a very different ball game if we load eight in the box every single time every single time say look you just got to beat us in the pass and if they do then they do but we're not going to let you just run the, the read option every time and get five yards whenever you want i mean i mean it's a big 12 secondary we're used to just getting passed all over you would think that a guy that's eight for twenty going into the fourth quarter, we should have been able to to just give this game to our secondary. I don't know. I mean, what are we scouting? I just really don't understand. The dude was a terrible passer, absolutely terrible. I don't yeah. understand. I don't either. Um, number three, it was yours. Protect the ball. We had one turnover, but uh, turnover. I'm giving it a D. Close. We had one turnover, but it t- proved very costly for us. I don't know. <laughs> I just maybe, maybe I'm just mad. I'm just giving it a D though. I'm gonna say B minus. Um, <laughs> one one turnover. I don't know. Maybe I'm grading on a curve from giving up four last week. Um, the next one, rowdy crowd for me. I'm giving it a C. Look, I'm not going to tell anyone what to do with their money. I'm not going to tell anyone anything to do with their time, and I'm not going to tell anyone what they have to do once they get into the stadium. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, it was nice. It was kind of loud in the beginning, but. It wasn't a sellout. The students, this was the one game that the students had Section 28. They didn't fill it. The stripe out was a mediocre effort at best. Um, and it's K-State fans, the ones that show up, they're fine. But this whole narrative about how great K-State fans are um, it probably needs to stop. The narrative about how intimidating Bill Snyder Family Stadium is probably needs to stop um, because it's not like that anymore. Um, yeah, the fans booed when they had someone kicked out for targeting, but K-State students stayed after the game to give high fives to Mississippi State fans. This whole narrative about <laughs> a rowdy crowd is officially dead. Um, no part of it was rowdy. No part of it was intimidating. It gets a C. Um, it is what it is. People, do what you want with your time and money. That This is not what it's about, but the narrative is over. I gave it a C as well. I agree with everything you just said, um, but 
I thought it was good. I mean, the crowd was good yes. enough early, but yes. there's only so much you can do in yeah. games like that, that when you're just getting that's dominated. True. That's true. All that could have changed if they gave you a little bit more to cheer about, but even at the beginning. People want to see winners. That's yeah, all it that's is. That's true. That's true. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it is what it is. Um, and then number five is Brogan. Brogan's was just make sure you come back from halftime. Uh, I gave it a C. I mean, it was fine when it came back, but I mean. It would have been good enough uh, had we – Gone down. How did we march down and score? We went. What did we go three and out? No, we actually we marched down yeah. and we didn't go for on fourth and four, which is like if it, you got to go for that. If it was thirty eight yard line. If it was seventeen and nine, seventeen to nine, like it should have been, um, it would have been fine. But those are our grading for keys of ease. We're going to get into the Ask Bosco questions. Um, SL Cac he asked, "Will Joe Moorhead ever win the SEC?" I said, "Maybe, but it won't be with Mississippi State." Agree. Um, I mean, he might move on to a better program, and honestly, until Nick Saban leaves, I, it's his to lose. And then also the way they're rolling down at Georgia. Ugh. So I honestly, if it if you put my feet to the fire, I'd say no. Um. Oh, Keck also asked, you know, what a, oh. how good do I look in person? And you know, it I was, was so g- good. It was like Medusa, basically. I, w- I, was I, I wasn't leave. able to look at you. If I would lo- have looked at you, I would have died because you're. Such a beautiful man. But, I was going to leave that until the next episode, but <laughs> you, you got that one. Um, as far as will Joe Moorhead ever win the SEC, you know, as good as some aspects of Mississippi State are, I don't think so. They're, at least, I mean, in the future, maybe, but this year, no chance. Way too one-dimensional to beat the top teams in the SEC. I think they'll probably finish third, maybe second in the SEC West. I mean, they got to go to Bama, go to LSU, who are looking pretty strong this year. Auburn's, um, Auburn's coming into Starkville. I mean, that's tough. This isn't sour grapes either. I mean, I think they're pretty good, but they're not an elite team. They're a top I, twenty team, not a top five. Team. I think yesterday shows how little talent we have than how talented they are. I mean, they've got some elite spots on their team, but they're not going to win the SEC. I mean, no, they're just not. Okay, uh, literally, K asks, "How have the first two games changed your outlook on the season?" For me, it doesn't. <laughs> um, I. You all heard me. I wasn't super high on this team. I picked us to go 7-5. I, at no point did I ever pick us to beat Mississippi State. So, honestly, it hasn't changed my outlook at all. Um, for me, I mean, I guess it's changed a lot, even though, you know, I go back and forth between thinking we're going to be 7-5 and five to, you know, possibly 10-2. and two. But, um, really, I think this team just needs to find an identity and fast. I'll tell you what I'm going to do is stop making weekly picks with my heart and start making them with my head. Um, the new new season romanticism is definitely gone, and hey, we could go to West Virginia and win, and we'd be uh, three and one probably, and people would start feeling a lot different. But I don't think we're going to be four and eight, but seven and five is looking a lot looking about right. Um, you know, we'll improve as we do, but desperately need to. I tell you what's so frustrating is just I'm so sick of constantly being like scratching and clawing just desperately to compete against anyone who's like remotely talented uh it just because the talent gap is so wide that's just that's all i've realized in the last few years it's just we just need to recruit it's it's shocking and yesterday showed that all right um we're, we're running a little uh little long on time so i'm going to actually hold off on the next question I had on there until the next one, but we did have uh, Mikkel23 asked on the subreddit over at Wabash Cannonball. He asked if 
Mississippi State were a conference opponent. Do you think the preparation and play calling outcome would have been different? For context, he always thinks Snyder puts way more emphasis on Big 12 games versus Power 5 non-cons and bowl games. Um, what's your thought on that? I actually agree with him. I think that Bill Snyder does do everything in the non-con to try to get ready for the Big 12 versus truly trying to do everything, pull out all the stops to win them. Um, that could easily be wrong, but that's just how I feel. Um, yeah, that could be reflected in how poor our non-con record is and how just hopelessly lost we look every year coming into the season. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I mean, that could be true. Yep. So those were our Ask Boxco questions. Be sure to get yours in as soon as you hear this for the UTSA preview. Before we finish things off with our awards, I do want to drop a little inside knowledge that I heard from multiple people within the last eight days. Um, there is a lot of unrest in the locker room right now, Grant. Um, I have it on pretty good authority. I've heard from multiple folks that Colin Klein and both Bill and Sean Snyder have gotten into very loud verbal altercations after both games now. Um, what What's your thoughts on just everything that is being alleged inside the locker room um, between coaches? There's a lot of rumors of strife between players and player groups right now through two games. After we were sold this whole kumbaya uh, vision of the locker room with the uh, coaches who left and now sounds like it's just as bad as it was last year w- what's going through your mind when all this stuff gets brought up it sounds like it's maybe even worse and it's disappointing because yeah we were sold in the offseason about this you know unity this team unity and there's no egos on this on this staff and you know we're everyone's buddy buddy and we're ready to go and I think it just reflects on the field what is happening you know behind the scenes. It just looks like we're just chaotic. We have no identity. It seems like you know we don't really know what what to get out of these players and how to use them and it's just it's frustrating. I hope we can get the duct tape out and fix it soon. Yeah, I'm just going to say this and we'll leave it for this episode. I I personally would not be shocked if Colin Klein is elsewhere next season and you know for his own coaching career I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him. I think that would be a major loss. I really do. I I don't disagree with you, but I think um unless there's some major changes in philosophy when it comes to how coaches are going to be able to recruit um, and how coaches are able to go about their business, I, I, I would not be surprised. We'll leave it at that. Um, if anything else comes up throughout the season, we'll be sure to share it with the Boneheads. But before we get into our Week 2 awards, just want to let you know that, hey, my bookie, don't listen to us, but you know NFL starting <laughs> like as we're speaking. The very first noon games are getting kicked off. Um, if you think you got winners, go to my bookie. That is M I. Oh, whoa, I do not know how to spell. M-Y- Or read. O-O-K-I-E. Use promo code BOYS. They're going to give you a 100% match. And uh, I can do math. That means if you put in $100, you're going to have 200 to play with. If you put in 1000 you have 2000 to play with. Whatever you do, do not bet the way we pick. Um, we're getting into game balls. For those of you who don't remember, we both have two game balls to give out. You know, offense, defense, we can uh, sub in one special teams player, and then we'll have the swagger sticker to throw on the helmet. Uh, Grant, you start us off. Who's getting your first game ball? 
I'll go offense, Alex Barn. I thought he ran hard. He called everyone out after the game, so that kind of spoke to me. Um, so I'll give it to Alex Barnes, offensive game ball. I'm substituting the offensive game ball for a special teamer. I'm going with Bernardo Rodriguez. Three great punts. He put two of them inside the 10. I 100% believe he needs to be our punter moving forward. Grant, who gets your second game ball? Defensive game ball, Patton. Had his handful with that run game, but made some nice plays, and he looks like he's starting to figure things out. Dude's talented. He, I'm with Flando on this. Uh, what what makes a good player? What makes me excited is if he's buff and he has a low number. So I'm into I'm into Patton. I am also <laughs> going in that linebacking core. I'm going with Elijah Sullivan. Uh, I think you know. Hopefully he's not hurt that bad. But I love the way he played. He was getting pressure. He was he was playing like how I want linebackers to play with basically no regard for humanity. He's flying over all over the place. He's hitting you know. 300 pound offensive lineman you know head first and i just love the way he plays so um big fan of him grant who who gets your swagger sticker sullivan three buff low number flando's on to something um duke shelley gets my swag uh he did some fun jawing to some mississippi state receivers saw some cool highlights of that so swaggy i guess you know my swag sticker is going to, for the namesake of this podcast, Bosco the Dog. What a week. ESPN. Bosco the Dog. He gets a shout out on ESPN. Our friend Will from To The Ville on Twitter did a great game day poster featuring him in the Mississippi State Bulldog Bully um, and also dug out a really cool picture from one of the old Royal Purple yearbooks. Um, big week for Bosco the dog. Hashtag bring back Bosco. Hashtag good boys. Um, he gets my swagger sticker. That's it for this week. Um, everyone, make sure to come out to the UTSA tailgate event. Folks, we are going to have a lot a lot of fun. Um, yes, come out to the tailgate. We're going to be at on the east side, um, lot 119. That's east 119. Um, we met a few guys in the last couple of weeks that uh, – I've listened to the podcast and it's been really fun, so I can't wait to host this tailgate and just meet a bunch of people. That's why we that's why we started this to get drunk, talk about the cats, but also meet a bunch of people. And I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun time. Remember, everyone come out. The more the merrier. Bring your friends. Um, can't wait to see you guys. Love you all. Meet me at the Cathead. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence Restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed By the flash of a neon light Split the night And touch the sound And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking 
Network.